We're Ace Comicals, my name's Greg, and today I'm joined by my co-host Rahul, let's get started. Hi guys, it's episode number 17, we read stuff, we talk about stuff, another two weeks has passed, we came, we saw... We read stuff, and you know the drill by now, so let's do it. Uh, today I'm joined by only Rahul, because Leon appears to be trapped in the danger room. Um, we don't know who with. That could be... I'll leave that up to I, your imagination, the X-Men of your choice. Yeah, I suspect it's Jubilee just because he wouldn't tell us about it and be complaining about it if it wasn't anyone else but Jubilee. I think he like can... He'd be, if you were stuck in the danger room with anybody else, it would be hype, right? No. What if it was Cyclops? Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so he's stuck in the danger room with Jubilee and... Oh, God, that sounds like a crappy... <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not having a crappy evening because I'm, I'm, I'm trapped in my living room with you talking about comic books. Which Indeed, is yes, yes. I'm trapped in the attic, surrounded by comic <laughs> books. So, um, Ray, since the last time we spoke to you, it's been a long time. Feels like it's been forever, yeah. Um, yeah, been on holiday, took my parents to Italy. That was pretty cool. Um, didn't actually get up to reading many comics, but to get my daily dose of nerdery, uh, I had a really nice day once where... I mean, for basically, for me, for holidays, it's all about eating. Yeah. So there was one day where I walked up to the top of a mountain, bought some focaccia that was there, you know, somebody was selling some there, took out my Nintendo Switch, uh, played Breath of the Wild, made Link walk up to the top of a mountain... And then eat some roasted apples. I mean, it was it was a double dose of climbing a mountain and eating food. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, I had a good holiday. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, so I guess when you got back, you had some time to get some reading in, right? I've been trying. It's been a little bit more difficult um, than it normally is this week. Uh, th- this week, it's been a bit more difficult than it normally is. Um, I've been struggling to find time to read on the tube like I normally do. Um, but I've I've fit some stuff in, so yeah, we've got stuff to talk about. Cool. Um, I again plenty of reading in because somehow I've always got time for reading. Last week I found it a bit difficult to get enthusiastic about stuff that was out on the shelves. There was some really cool things, like there's two really two or three really cool things that came out last week that I was quite enthusiastic about. But it was like it, I don't know, it wasn't wasn't like a normal week for me walking into the comic shop and being like kid in a candy store spoiled for choice, you know. Yeah, I kind of feel that this week as well. Yeah. I mean, and I think I've been in a particular mood lately. Maybe it's just coming down off a holiday or I've been particularly stressed out. But I've just not been in the mood for reading, like, heavy, wordy, cerebral stuff. And it feels like that's all that's been out. Well, that's that's the great thing about comics. It doesn't have to be heavy, wordy, and cerebral because you've also got the fun, punchy, powerful, colourful stuff. It doesn't. And that'll go... Yeah. um, That'll explain why I've been going back a few weeks or maybe like a month or so to catch up on some of the more fun comic booky stuff that I've missed lately. Um, but we can get to that in, in a bit. So Yeah, so... Um, where should we start? Uh, let's start with Generation Gone number two, which I have picked up and read. And first thing I'm going to say about this, I'm loving the fact that they have continued this trend of making the front cover the first panel like the, the the front cover itself like the the cover art is like literally the first panel or page of the comic and that's mm. where the comic begins and then th- i think we addressed this last time as well with we the first yeah. issue how yeah it, how, how does it open this time um so it opens this time the um the girl 
uh, of the group when they discovered their powers. The uh, the the young girl from the group is uh, is flying, and she seems to be yeah. like completely amazed and surprised and like in awe of the fact that she can fly she's like holy fucking shit i'm flying you know <laughs> tears streaming like, out of her eyes i don't know if that's because she's not wearing goggles or because she's like i'm actually flying it's, it's like <laughs> kind of awesome Ele- so eleanor um has discovered her power and her power is flight and this book is uh it's basically the, the three of them starting to discover the powers that they have been granted by the um the code as well if you've read the first issue as i described previously we've got this uh, this scientist who's working for the government who's been working on his own pet project on the side where he believes he can actually program superpowers into people and unlock things latent in human dna and genetics or reprogram people hack people into having superpowers by getting them to read certain sequences of words and things like that which is kind of a really cool concept i quite like that so you can hack people's dna by getting them to take information in which is yeah i i I really like that and i i i thought that was really like mind-bendingly hideo kojima (laughs) there's something really hideo kojima about that you know so um like the fusion of tech and organic and yeah and 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 the psychology high high concept sci-fi type thing you know Mm. um so he's uh he's leaked the code out to them the 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 last book ended with these guys hacking away uh trying to get into the government trying to get like secret government information so they could sell it and get money basically their whole plan was to hack into the military network steal something and sell it on you know like sell it online for a lump sum kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh and they managed to come across this code and they all read it and shit happened people were lying on sofas and stuff with i don't know if it's blood or what but it's like this black liquid seeping out of them and then uh, all of a sudden they wake up and eleanor is flying eleanor can fly uh the other two sort of discover their powers throughout this book as well and it's got kind of a chronicle feeling to it you the film chronicle mm. yeah yeah with the, yeah with the three teenagers um all discovering they all have powers this kind of follows the same kind of line as that at least this second book does anyway with the three of them testing themselves and it ends with them deciding that you know there's a, there's a riot happening when they get back to the city and it ends with them using their powers to help people and to tr- to to kind of you know stop trying to try and stop people from being hurt they decide to use their powers so two of the powers are revealed in this book so we've got flight and then we've got invulnerability but the third power we're not quite sure what that is yet they've given us some hints as towards what it could be but they've not fully revealed it um it's like the slowest slowest developing one um he seems to see things differently to people is how i'm going to describe it so far differently to other people so he sees things differently to ordinary people um kind of like he can see things i don't want to say slow motion because that's not how he describes it but yeah, he, he sees things differently to people. And I think his is going to have something to do with um, being able to anticipate actions, maybe, or time travel. I'm not sure. Hmm. Uh, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm going in the totally wrong direction. But um, again, it's, it's, the story's continuing in a, in a great direction. And um, I'm still impressed by the artwork in the way that it, it has such a simplicity about it. But it still retains a high level of detail, especially in facial expression. And it's the way that it manages to convey mood in each panel as well like the 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 kind of general air you get 
you know like when when you're in a room full of people and you can just kind of read the mood and you know yeah, the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, it conveys... The, yeah, so mood, atmosphere. Yeah, atmosphere is a better word for it. But the way it conveys the atmosphere from each panel. And also, um, when we get outside shots, the way they manage to get across the environment. So there's a shot with some snow and um, like a half-frozen body of water and some trees. And you, you can feel... I, I can I can look at this panel and feel what it's like to be stood there. Hmm. And it's it's like I can... I can get that from from the way that it's the way the way that it's drawn, the the way that this 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 panel has been drawn and coloured. I I can get that from that, and I think that's pretty cool that it manages to to you know have such a simple it's like a kind of a simplistic style about it, but at the same time it's enough, you know, hmm. which I really like. So yeah, yeah, I've really been meaning to get to this. Um, they've been in my stack for well since the first one came out because you recommended it. I think this goes back into what I was, you know, touched on earlier about stuff that's a little bit too wordy to grip me straight away. Mm. I think I need to be in the mood for this. Um, I might wait until there's a few, but then even that's intimidating on its own where you've got... Because these are pretty big books. There's quite... They're, they're a bit longer than the regular ones, aren't they? No, yeah, yeah. They're not They're not small comics by any means. Yeah. They're, uh... They seem quite dense as well, so I'll, I'll definitely set aside yeah. time, certainly before the third one comes out so we can talk about it and then pr- maybe... When oh yeah, there's do a few it. more in the bag, we can actually talk over some details. Do it, because because I, I need to be able to talk to somebody about this. <laughs> you say that about every comic, Greg. I know <laughs> every single one that you love. You're like, that's I can't why wait I for you guys to catch up. That's why I started this. I catch up. That's why okay. I started this podcast so I can just <laughs> talk about comics because that's what I like to do. Speaking of comics and speaking of things I like to talk about, the next thing I'm going to do is tell you that TMNT Dimension X has reached issue five and therefore ended. It's all done now. Oh, is it the finale? Yeah, issue five has dropped and we're all done, so sad face. Oh, nice. But it's amazing, so happy face. Um, <laughs> well, no, it's amazing for me because now I can read the entire thing in one go and not feel like I have to wait every month for it. So, oh, yeah, that's, that's smiley face. You see, I've, I've been doing it, well, it's once a week, not once a month. This thing's been, oh. like, weekly. Okay. So it's been, it's been one to five, it's been like a weekly event. So oh, wow. every week I've been getting a Turtles book and it's been amazing. Um, and I've loved this little jaunt from start to finish, basically. Of the five, the stories in books three and four have been my favourites. We've got, like, book three being Ace Duck, uh, who is kind of like a roguish character, who is he's an ex-fighter pilot, and he is in bad books with organised crime for destroying a weapons shipment. And when the turtles get to his planet to find him, the whole planet is hunting him because there's a huge bounty on his head and this planet is basically planet scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, sort of Star Wars-y, Tatooine-y type thing where everyone's a bounty hunter or everyone's like a thief or whatever. Right. It's kind of that kind of place, but it's not a desert. It's like a big city. And everyone's placing bets on everything. So every time something happens, every time a fight breaks out or whatever, people start waving money around going, oh man, I want to put 100 on the on the big guy, you know. And Mikey sort of gets in with the betting bug and he gets a little bit sort of, he wants to place a bet on everything and I quite like, I I, I, I like it that he kind of fixates on things. So <laughs> he gets fixated on this betting thing and the other, the other three are getting a little bit annoyed about it. But I think it's pretty good. And he strikes, well, I mean, and he strikes it big. He wins a load of money on the lottery. <laughs> and in the end, well, so now, now that it's over, right? yeah. If you had to say just in one brief sentence without giving too much away, 
how would you describe it overall like the the general theme of this thing um tmnt dimension x it's how do i put you on the spot a little yeah because i can't really sum it up in one word because it's not no no no, one sentence one One yeah one sentence okay so sum it up in one sentence it's got like this kind of like real classic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles feel about it. So it feels very Turtles, and I like it. It just makes me happy that because it's such a such a removed from so removed from reality, and it's such a it's such a fan servicey classic story. You know, I them bouncing from planet to planet. Well, I think that's a perfect sentence just there. Yeah, it makes me happy because it's. It's not quite reality. I love that. Yeah, I'll, it, it, I'll, I, I'll take that on board. Well, I guess yeah, and and it's turtles. I like turtles, so I'm always going to love it. But yeah, I mean, the 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 fourth the the fourth book as well. My other favorite is where they um that it's like an alien wrestling federation, right? And they have to they have to um they have to bring back the head guy, kind of like the Vince McMahon of the alien wrestling federation. <laughs> okay. And he's a tree. Of course he is. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the other cool thing about this is is the fact that every every person that they've got to bring back to testify against Krang hasn't exactly got clean hands themselves. Hmm. So they've all done something a little bit shady, or they've all got something about them that's not as, you know, wholesome as you think they might be kind of thing. Like, Ace Duck is... I guess he he's a little bit of a you know he's not really a team player he's kind of like look out for number one type um, and he's a little bit reckless. Um, the Alien Wrestling Federation, the tree guy is cold hard cash, kind of unfeeling a little bit. Like he he um, sold out his entire planet basically to Krang and got paid handsomely for it. And it, it, everyone's got something about them that's not quite you know. But in the end, the turtles managed to turn them around. And get them on their side, and get them to come back to uh, testify against Krang in the big trial that's coming up. So I like it, and I also I like this. Uh, they paint this assassin out to be super badass. Uh, this assassin that's been following them across the universe, who uh, Krang has hired to kill the witnesses before the turtles can get to them. They they paint him out to be you know a little bit menacing, a little bit badass, but he's actually kind of hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> he's like really rubbish at his job he's great at tracking but yeah about it, pulling it off yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so i quite like that about it and i like that each individual chapter although worked on by a different team each thing feels like it complements the whole so a different a different team's worked on each book but it, it's been incredibly consistent and cohesive and as a Mikey fan as well, I feel like I've been served well with the, you know, the way that Mikey's been in most of these books. So yeah, all in all, I was very impressed with TMT Dimension X. Cool. And then what's lined up next for TMNT? Um, if anything, it's going to be the next issue of the ongoing, which is like, guess, takes up where this finishes and gives us the trial of Krang. Okay. So yeah, because we got we got the the issue. We got the issue that set all this up, and then we had these five weeks in between, and then we got uh, we've got the next one now. So, well, actually, no. Number one of this came out at the same time as the issue that set everything up. So it was like issue seventy three, which was like made this like the longest running Turtles comic in history of Turtles comics, 
and then issue uh, 74 comes out next which carries on where this wraps up basically okay so yeah uh, and we'll we'll obviously get the rest of the trial of Krang. Um, so Ray, did you read anything that we talked about last week, last time? Yeah, I intended to read everything, but my intentions never come to anything. So I read Mister Miracle and Dark Knight's Metal. Um, I mean, those are the two that I found time for of the one. I mean, I think they were the two that you guys spoke the most highly of. I think there was a couple. Genius Cartel, which sounded really interesting. I yeah. just didn't get the chance to, to get onto. And I think you mentioned Redlands, which yeah. I haven't had a chance to buy yet. So oh. when I get to one of those, I'll come back to you. But for now, so Mr. Miracle, yeah, I, mean, I don't have anything else to add to your guys' conversation. I think you touched upon everything. Like, it's it's amazing. It's great. I'm, I'm, I'm deliberately keeping myself in the dark from who Mr. Miracle is because I have no context for this I've I'd never even this is like I'm gonna but, this is a bad card to be playing right now but I have no idea what Kirby's New Gods are never heard of it but you, so you usually you hate being about... in the dark that's like one of your like pet peeves as far as comics go usually when I talk to you about comics it's like oh, I, I you know there's too much history I hate not having context yeah yeah, yeah there's, there's too, much too, too much history there no context but I think because this it doesn't expect you to know a lot and i feel like they've written it in a way that the mystery kind of adds to something here because you you start off in media res with Mm. this guy having committed a really horrifying act of self-harm and it's like the comic book is throwing it in your face using this you know this typical old school like golden age comic narration boxes yeah saying uh, i can't remember exactly what it says but it's basically mocking the concept it's ironically mocking the concept of how great this guy is as he's self-harming on the bathroom floor um like i was just hooked immediately the only thing i'll say about it is um, echoing what what is normally leon sentiment this is one where i mean i'm still going to pick it up month to month because i'm curious as to what's happening but i feel like i'd be even more gripped if I had the entire volume in front of me. I yeah. I really feel that with this one. I feel like it's they've built it in a way that it would be massively better as an as a book as a whole. But I'm going to keep buying it month to month. One, I mean, like, I'm super pissed that I couldn't find issue one in the shops. It sold out everywhere. And it seems to be really popular and, <laughs> and worth quite a lot already. So I'm quite annoyed by that. So I'm going to go digging and hunting for issue number one, which I, I doubt I'll find. I'm going to try and collect them going forward because i think the covers are really interesting yeah it'd be nice to just own them because like you were talking about a cover number one which goes some way to explaining who his character is i didn't realize that he was the i assume an uh escapologist like a, a mm. magician yeah escapes from things the one thing i did glean from doing like a bit of cursory research is that he's um he's the embodiment of freedom is that right like that's something i i read yeah he as as a character in that setting is the concept of freedom which is kind of it's an interesting thing i've never seen that before and to see what's meant to be like a lofty god brought down to earth because Mm. of his own i guess insecurities or uh, not knowing his purpose in the world or knowing his worth is that's a really interesting concept and it feels like this is not even the prologue to the entire story yet. I feel like it's the first half of a prologue. Which I think is telling, because I think it's a 12-issue arc overall. So, uh, yeah, super keen on seeing where it goes. And I think 
that's as much as I can add to your guys' already pretty comprehensive discussion last week. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, you should should definitely have a look and go back and check out, you know, do some reading about Jack Kirby's New Gods because that is like a real, I guess, it's like a real turning point in comics history, really. Yeah. It's when he got, like, pretty psychedelic and it's kind of like classic, real classic Kirby stuff. When people talk about Kirby, they talk about his new god stuff as well as his marvel stuff and the new god stuff is pure kirby well i'm thinking so i'll that's... wait until this is finished in, in its entirety yeah and then go back and read that kind that of that is stuff. that is what I, people I... consider distilled kirby is the new gods okay so yeah yeah i'll take that on board yeah <laughs> i mean 12 issues is basically a year from now so i might have to reconsider <laughs> but yeah yeah i guess we'll that's see. the best way i can put it is what people consider distilled kirby because kirby hmm. is pretty much everything weird and wonderful that you've read in comics from the 1960s that has his name on it you know every, anything cosmic and, and it's all sort of born from his kind of ideas so or right. partly his ideas anyway in some cases but i guess new gods is pure him so that's what people associate with him because it's all his okay yeah yeah definitely at some point it's, it's like his it's definitely yeah. got my interest yeah no you should you should go back and check it out because it's, it's it's really cool actually um from what i know about it anyway from what i've read because i've I can't say I'm massively versed in it, but, you know, massively well-versed, but yeah. Uh, and Dark Knight's Metal. So I'd be interested to hear what you think of that, because I... Yeah, yeah. this is a weird one. Man. <laughs> um, I mean, because I have... I Like everything... I feel like I say this every every time we record. I have no idea of any of the context for this particular book as well. Dark Knight's Metal, I have no idea what's going on. It talks about something 50,000 years in the past, and it's setting up some sort of like ancient mystery and then it flashes back to current day where the justice league are fighting some dude and then i mean i love this contrived but awesome justification for the existence of like a justice league voltron mecha (laughs) which is fucking amazing like don't get me wrong that's that's brilliant and that that first like the first five or eight pages or whatever it is it feels like the cold open to like an epic movie yeah and then smashes directly into the title card as they, you know, they do their first impact after having done their Voltron combination thing. And then I kind of started losing track of what the hell was going on. So um, they've they've got back to Earth, but hmm. like, this is stuff that was set up because it was two prologue comics before this. Yeah. So there was the casting and there was, what was the other one called? I've completely lost I mean, lost you mentioned it. in the last issue that there were... Sorry, the last episode. That yeah. You, um, yeah. There are a couple of prologue uh, issues that you can read if you want to be... Yeah, I've, I've the not got them in front of me and I've lost the title of the second one. So. Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes. That's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's just one of those things where, unlike Mr. Miracle, where yeah. I don't feel like I need the context to enjoy this story because it is. it feels like it's a continuation of something that exists on its own. This feels like... I, I've been dropped into the middle with all these characters, and maybe it doesn't help that I don't really know much about all the Justice League characters themselves. Maybe if I knew more about the Flash, and, yeah, you know, whoever, yeah, I would enjoy it more. I've got. I don't it. really understand what's going on besides the Batman yeah. stuff and Superman stuff, and I guess a lot of it centers around Batman because it goes yeah. back to the Batcave and him talking to Alfred about the happenings in Gotham. Yeah, it's it's about then it, it's about stuff that was set up in way things that they they that Snyder and Capullo set up way back in uh, the New Fifty Two. So ideas that they had in the New Fifty Two Batman run, they've now brought forward into this. 
Yeah, because you yeah. talk about how there's various metals which are deep in the lore of DC Comics. Yeah, the nth metal uh, thing, and yeah, yeah, which doesn't. I mean, it come. It feels like it comes out of nowhere in this story, and it, you really do need the context. Yeah, um, yeah. But I will say this about it: that it has a really interesting ending. Mm. As somebody who I don't want to spoil where it goes, but I do have a vested interest in what happens towards the end of this story, and I think I'll be picking up on it month by month just based on that yes that goes anywhere. yes so it's the, the the i've got the titles now it's the forge and the casting okay so yeah um i'm kicking myself for forgetting that because but uh no they're, um, they're all metal metal related names yeah but they, they, <laughs> it's um so it basically sets up the fact that batman has stumbled across this he doesn't know what it is yet but there's a dark multiverse but in the forge in the casting yeah flipping over a poster which i thought was <laughs> I, I can't tell if that's genius or really crappy exposition it's, it's genius but... it's genius trust me when was the last time you flipped over a poster and the battle was black <laughs> it's genius so yeah they, they set it up in the forge in the casting and it, it's to do with the fact it's to do with nth metal and it's to do with this this dark multiverse and it's to do with immortal beings um and tribes from the beginning of time and the tribe of the bat and you get the feeling that the tribe of the bat might have something to do with the dark multiverse and because they they sort of strayed from the path that the others followed basically there's been some there's a there's a evil force in this dark multiverse that has been looking for a way in for such a long time and has now found it so it's now found its way in and that's why that mountain has just all of a sudden appeared in gotham because it's found its way in and it's starting to bleed into this universe mm. and things are gonna go off is the easiest way to explain it is the, the simplest way to explain it but it's not it's not as convoluted as it first appears so i guess i'm just gonna hold it yeah it, it is goes. it is something that you can take at face value i think okay okay yeah so i mean you know that poster that they flip over right uh that is actually a an official dc multiverse diagram that was actually done as a as like a map a map of the dc multiverse it was published as a poster i did think it looked yeah enough to yeah it is it is yeah it's it's the actual multiverse poster so you've got the dc multiverse poster and that's the actual poster obviously on the back of that poster there is no dark multiverse but you know <laughs> that's where it comes cool from concept. yeah so I, I i thought that was pretty cool that they used it that way it's like the map of the multiverse. So that's like the 52. And then you've got the dark 52 as well. Right. But yeah, it's it's super comic book. It's super DC in the way that it does that. As Leon mentioned, it's like DC being hyper DC. So, yeah, DCAF. Yeah, DCAF, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, yeah. Um, I think if you if you stick with it, and maybe do a little... Like with Mr. Miracle, like you, you're going to do your background reading on the New Gods. Maybe you do a little bit of like... Or maybe just, just find... Um, maybe I'll, I'll explain it in full to you one day or find <laughs> a, sit down and, you know, buckle up and I'll give you like four hours of, uh, knowledge or one day when it's all over, yeah. when we're old, when we're we ancient men, we haven't got time on this podcast for, <laughs> for all of it, but, or either that, or you can, uh, you could, you could like, I mean, obviously there's going to, you're going to be able to find out about this stuff and I'm sure sh- someone somewhere has compiled it and made it very easy. Yeah. I think this is the epitome of, uh, I'm. Hmm. I think I would enjoy it more as an entire book. Yeah, yeah. So building on that, I hmm. picked up a um, a bunch of classic Batman stories. 
So I picked up a trade, which is kind of like an anthology collection of Batman stories called Batman Dark Knight Dark City. Okay. Um, and the main feature story, Dark Knight Dark City, is Batman versus the Riddler. Wait, hang on. Before you get too into this, Dark Knight with a K or without a K? Uh, Dark Knight with a K. Okay, only because Dark Knight's Metal is Dark Knight's with an N, not a K. And that really confused me at first. Yeah, no, yeah, it is a K. Yeah, so Dark... <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> you got me thinking there. I'm like, is it K? It's a K. Sorry to interrupt. But I'm like just... digging through looking for the book. Yeah, it's a K. Definitely a K. Yeah, I have to be sure. Yeah, right? so <laughs> Dark Knight's Dark City. Uh, the first story is uh, the main feature, which is Dark... The story's called Dark Knight's Dark City, and that is Batman versus the Riddler. And that's compiles batman 452 to 454 which is like three books and then uh, after that it's uh, detective comics 629 to 62 629 sorry to 633 which is a combination of several stories we've got a story called the hungry grass a story called the executioner war stiletto heels a story called the golem of gotham and a story called identity crisis so we start with Dark Knight, Dark City. Basic premise is the Riddler's on the loose. He's uh, leaving riddles for Batman to follow and chase. Um, but what it turns out he's actually doing is preparing Batman to be the the human bat. A sacrifice to a demonic force called Barbatos, or a demon called Barbatos. Uh, Barbatos or Barbatos, who is... Um, you, you you do the ritual of the bat to summon Barbatos, basically. And Barbatos is a, a, obviously a demonic force who can grant ultimate power to... You know, you can control Barbatos. If you do it correctly and you sacrifice the human bat, you can control Barbatos. Um, what does the ritual involve? Um, the ritual involves the sacrifice of someone who's been prepared in a specific way. So they have to go through certain trials to be prepared. And then you sacrifice them and then you can control Barbatos, basically. That's how you summon him. So... What happens is, I mean, back in way back in the history of Gotham, they had already uh, a, a group of men had already summoned Barbatos in the basement of a farm building when Gotham was but a small township in the days of, uh, you know, like the, the beginnings of America, basically. Um, but they decided not to continue with it and not to continue with the ritual. The ritual got interrupted and they just got spooked by something and they decided to just just leave it as is and they just bolted the door shut on the basement and never returned the riddlers obviously come across an old book like a diary of one of the people who was involved in this and has decided that he's going to finish this off because it will grant him ultimate power um and what he's decided is that batman will be the human bat so he's laid out this trail of riddles for batman to follow in order and and each time batman completes a riddle it's also part of his preparation and oh, by the end clever. he's prepared to be sacrificed does he know that he's that this is happening to him um no he doesn't know until the end that's pretty badass yeah okay this sounds cool it is it's a very cool story uh in in the typical late 80s early 90s way um it's fairly gratuitous in the way mm. in the way that it it puts this stuff across and it's quite um i i like it i mean I, I think I think it's a great story, and I like um, the, the main reason I picked up this this trade actually is because of this story, and it's because this story contains things that are referenced by Dark Knight's Metal. So they mentioned the demon Barbatos or Barbatos yeah. in Dark Knight's Metal. Mm. It, this is where the idea comes from. The whole um, 
ritual of the bat thing to summon Barbatos. Barbatos being the force in Dark Knight's metal that has come to Gotham and has bled into the, the like from the dark multiverse. Um, I think Barbatos is going to turn out to be uh, because you've got like the Dark Knights that are coming from the dark multiverse and each dark Knight kind of has their equivalent in the justice league. I think Barbatos is going to be the Batman who laughs, but I'm not too sure. Um, which, I mean, if you read about dark Knight's metal, you've got, um, several different, there's several different characters from the dark multiverse. As I said, each one has their equivalent in the justice league and they're all kind of facsimiles of Batman, Batman ish with, with powers of, said justice league character and you've got the batman who laughs who is the most interesting one and the one that we kind of know the least about um and i think he's going to be i think barbatos is going to be like another name for the batman who laughs basically is what it's going to turn out to be but i like the fact that they've resurrected this relatively um cut and dry storyline this this like relatively you know this this sort of this relatively um I don't I don't know how important it was back but I'm going to say relatively unimportant arc that people don't usually talk about. They've resurrected an idea from that which is a really cool idea and brought it forward to today and used it in something. I really like that. Um and that's the main reason I read it actually to get an idea of where this this Barbatos thing came from because I I sort of heard whispers that it had something to do with this 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 uh, arc. And this is where they kind of kind of pulled um, inspiration from. Uh, the other stories that are included in the book, you've got a story called The Hungry Grass, um, okay. which is a bit X-Files. So you've got this guy who seems to be holding Gotham over a barrel um, because he seems to be able to make things happen that without like like without without leaving a trace basically he can he can if someone's been killed on a street corner with an axe he can uh he can make he can make you relive that event um and he's doing this from he's like sitting there in his his like apartment room he's like a you know in typical x-files fashion you've got this loner who's been wronged and decided to take it out on the city um and he's got this this power and he's going to use it to do that to sort of exact his revenge uh, and it's it's got a real x-filesy line about it because it's quite um it, it all stems back to this grass that comes from the specific place in ireland where um an ancestor of his died and she was kind of a white witch and not a white witch and on her death she infused this grass with the power to make people relive the pain that she felt on that spot when she was dying of hunger and because he's got this grass and he's took loads of it back in bags through the airport and brought it back to gotham if he spreads it on a street corner where someone died by axe if you walk over this grass you're gonna die by axe a ghost will strike you in the back of the head with an axe and then vanish (laughs) um and obviously it's batman getting to the bottom of this and chasing this guy down and you can see what i mean can't you about the Mulder and scully line here Like, the, you can just imagine Mulder Scully turning up at some unsolved murder and they're like, it looks like he was hit by an axe, but we got no fingerprints, no this, that, the other, no. <laughs> and and the witnesses just say that he just fell to the floor. They, none of the witnesses saw anybody and he was done in broad daylight on whatever street, you know. 
which is kind of the thing it takes. And what what he's doing is he's getting people to do like increasingly ridiculous things. Like he he's like ringing the police and giving them a list of demands and saying, you know, people will die if they don't walk around in a red hat and say Batman sucks every hour on the hour kind of thing, you know. <laughs> it's it's kind of like Death Note. It is a little bit, yeah. yeah. But it's it's properly it properly predates Death Note. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, this it is sounds interesting. But yeah, no, it's really cool. Yeah, it's um, I I think it's for me, it just felt very X Files when I was reading it, and I was like, yeah, this is X Files. You've got the next story, which is the Executioner War Stiletto Heels, which is kind of assassin, um, Hitman versus Hitman type thing. So a Hitman hunting a Hitman who had escaped from jail, and when he goes back to jail, he'll be on death row. Uh, and this right. is kind of like a noir detective kind of air to it with the way batman sort of has his internal monologues about his dream about a killer wearing stiletto heels or something at the end of the book and whatever and it's so that one that one's quite a cool noir story um and then you've got one called the golem of gotham which for anybody that says that comics should go back to when they weren't political tell me when they weren't political because because i don't even have to go back that far to find an example of it (laughs) <laughs> okay and you know i can i can tell you that even back in the 70s i've got examples that i can give you of comics that have political storylines but but this is uh this deals with um this deals with uh like white supremacists and fascism and um you've got a crime wave hitting gotham um and it seems to be focused on uh immigrants from the indian subcontinent and people in the sort of like the, the the jewish ghetto of gotham basically um so you've got these people going around smashing shop windows spray painting swastikas on graves and whatever and it's just basically a group of white supremacists uh and you've got this old um this old jewish guy who decides enough's enough and you, you know like the traditional uh, sort of folklore, the Jewish folklore of the golem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know about that. Yeah, he's um. Yeah. So he he decides he's going to create a golem, and he creates a golem, and and the golem kind of does its thing, protecting the ghetto. But then the golem goes rogue. So Batman's kind of caught in the middle of this, stopping the white supremacists, and also he's got a kind of he kind of ends up face to face with this golem as well. And he has to stop this golem before it act- before it because it will go rogue and it will destroy the entire city basically. Kind of like a Jewish clayface. Yeah, but not clayface <laughs> because it can't shape right. change or anything. It's just this big mass of clay that is un- right. you know near unstoppable. Uh, and that's that's kind of a, a a a cool story, and it's also a kind of a left hook to anyone that says that comics aren't you know should go back to when they weren't political because <laughs> comics have always been political. Comics been political since day dot. I mean, um, they don't need to be political anymore because we don't have Nazis anymore. So, I mean, why would you? Why would you want it? Well, yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. No, I, I think I think comics have always been a mirror for um, for what is going on politically at the time that the comic is written or drawn. And I think it will continue to be that way. And I think if you, you know, any, you know, all comics kind of have it. They have, they have links and roots in what is going on in today's world. And that, that is, 
that is the way it's always going to be. Comics will, will have have been political and always will be political. So anyone that says that comics should go back to not being political, tell me when. Um, yeah, anyone who says <laughs> that about any art form doesn't yeah. really understand art. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last story is Identity Crisis, where Bruce Wayne wakes up in the river, soaking wet in a dinner suit, not remembering uh, how he got there. And... I'm not going to ruin this one because it's got a real twist in it. Okay. So that's where I'm going to leave that. So he gets it because he goes back to the Batcave and everyone's like, who's Batman? Where's the Batcave? You know, <laughs> Alfred is like, but you're not Batman. You're Bruce Wayne. And and Tim Drake's there and Tim Drake's like, you're not Batman. You're, you're, you're as Batman as I am the boy wonder. And that's where I'm going to leave that because so Bruce Wayne wakes up and he's not Batman anymore. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And the back case. Oh, not I have to go check out this yeah. book. No, it's Dark a really, it's Night, Dark City. Right? Dark Knight, Dark City. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, cool. Um, so I guess we should hit another from your stack now. Yeah, so just to, to plough through the remainder of my stack that I read this week. So uh, I picked up Dead of Winter number one uh, quite a while ago now. I think it was over a month ago. Yeah. Um, based purely on the fact that I own the board game yep. that it's based off of. Yeah. And I recently picked up Clue, which is also obviously based on Clue or Cluedo, depending on where you're from. Uh-huh. Um, and I was really impressed with Clue because it did it's doing some really clever things with not just the genre that it's based on, so like murder mysteries, but also the medium, so comic books, and the medium of the original IP, so board games, and it does some really clever things with all three elements. Yeah. And I was kind of hoping that Dead of Winter would do the same thing. And it basically doesn't, apart from taking the characters, direct, like lifting them directly from the the quote-unquote story of the board game, which is a very non-linear narrative, like you build up this story yourself based on the characters that you pick yeah. and the randomized scenarios that you, you know, that get played out based on your randomized choices. Um it kind of doesn't do anything that clever with any of the elements that it has to its hand. Like I'm <laughs> overall, I'm a little bit disappointed because it's just another zombie apocalypse with slightly tiresome dialogues. Yeah, where everything is kind of a cheap joke, and everyone explains their circumstances with a kind of like quote unquote, as you know, X Y Z happened. Like it's all a little bit cliched, mm. um, and it I think it leans a little bit too heavily on you understanding the characters based on having played the board game already so you know you know the kind of archetypes that they're going for so so what is the dead of winter board game because i've never actually played it oh okay so it's um it's basically i think it's based on a like a system called crossroads i might be i might be wrong about this but essentially what happens is you you have you know a bunch of players you get randomly assigned characters mm-hmm. and as a player you have there's a chance that one of the people in your party of players is a betrayer so everybody has their own individual goals oh, to accomplish and right you play through this scenario of surviving um a zombie apocalypse in the winter night by night where the resources you have to manage are like fuel and food and you know waste that results from that food while also barricading out zombies and going to different destinations outside of your compound to retrieve you know additional resources it's really cool and really tense and um occasionally so every round or every person's turn you get the chance to draw a crossroads card and if certain um criteria are filled at that particular moment you have to enact out this crossroads card 
which basically adds a bit of flavor text to your scenario and it's all really clever and i was i'm kind of disappointed that the the comic doesn't have those kind of like twisty elements or you know playing mm. with a knowing wink on how the how a general playthrough of the board game would go um but the one thing um that is its saving grace is Sparky the zombie killing superdog, <laughs> which is on the front cover? Yeah, it's basically a uh, like this this gorgeous blonde dog wearing a red cape who is vicious at fucking up zombies. And there are some really cool panels and scenes where Sparky is just annihilating, like ripping through these um, these hordes of zombies. So that's kind of a saving grace. Yeah, but overall, like I kind of don't like the dialogue. I don't really like the scenario. And the art also feels like a little bit flabby and out of place for a zombie apocalypse thing. Um, I mean, maybe I'm being a bit too hard. So, I think if you're yeah. a fan of the board game, yeah. you would probably enjoy just the like the association mm. factor, the yeah. nostalgia factor, yeah. as it were. Um, but yeah, so, I don't think I'm going to be picking up numbers. Yeah, two, I was going to say I take it. I take it you won't be picking up issue two. Nah, probably not. Um, I might. I might pick up the volume once yeah. all out, and you know. And see what it what happens, but not month by month. I'm not not that keen on it. So I'm I'm kind of tired of the whole zombie apocalypse thing myself. Anyway, I think I've seen too much. I've seen too many well, zombie apocalypses. Well, that's the thing. I was kind of hoping it would do something different with it because it it has the opportunity to be a bit more wry about its subject matter. But I guess it kind of hasn't done that. It's it's banking on the popularity of the characters from the board game. Like there's. There's a thing that happens towards the end, which, um, aside from Sparky, there's another like fan favorite character who who appears, and I think it's if you don't know who that is, as if you've never played the board game, you wouldn't give a shit. But <laughs> but I know who it is, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. All oh, right. But yeah, it's 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 a mixed bag. I wouldn't yeah. recommend it to anyone who's never played the board game. Yeah, no, but I if mean, you have, you'd probably love it. Yeah, and and like I was saying, I'm. I guess I guess it's a symptom of the fact that there's so much of it now, but I'm kind of tired of the zombie apocalypse genre now. So yeah, I think I'm on on yeah. board, but I thought I'd take yeah. a chance. Um, but yeah, I and mean, then following on from that, I picked up Met Cadet U, which you recommended. Yes, um, I think you recommended it a while ago, and I kind of brushed it off for reasons I don't really know of. I don't, like I don't I can't remember why I didn't pay it much mind, but then I realised that it's um, you realised that it was artist, a yeah. So yeah, the artist is uh, Takeshi Miyazawa, who is doing... So he did Runaways, yep. and he's the artist for the current run of Ms. Marvel. Yes. And I love the art for the current run of Ms. Marvel. Told you he was and... the Ms. Marvel artist. That's what made you buy it. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what made me buy it once I, I like that. I I'm, If you'd have told me... I think you maybe you mentioned it the first time, and it just didn't register. Yeah. And I looked at it again, and I was like, oh, dude, that's the Ms. Marvel guy. So I... I picked it up based on the strength of that. The artwork is gorgeous, man. Like this is, um, it reminds me of a manga yeah. where there's big bold panels with a focus on like the visual clarity and kind of less reliance on verbal or narrated exposition, which is another yeah. thing I've been complaining and about all this week. You you get is... these these this really nice establish establishing an envir- of an of an environment with it, yeah, which it does yes. very well. It does a really good job of expressing what what's happening in this world. Yeah. And considering it's kind of an out there scenario. So basically, um, every four years, robots from outer space land on Earth to bond with a human, um, generally a cadet in this space academy. 
Um, and so our protagonist is a young janitor. I think he's Cantonese because he's speaking to, uh, uh, you know, like an older janitor in Cantonese. Um, yeah. And it's basically about him, uh, like, escaping from his circumstances as a trod-upon janitor because all the rest of the... Or at least one cadet in yeah. the building that he works at is, is really shitty to him. She's and, super you know, elitist. Super elitist, super entitled. Yeah. Um and yeah, it's basically about him being given this opportunity that she, and I expect at least a big portion of the rest of the cadets don't think he deserves. Like he's rising above his station, but there's a, it's like you were saying, the the way that art works and how it establishes the setting really well. Um, how he bonds with this robot that comes from outer space is it's it's done in such like deft ways that don't require wordiness it's not about them expressing their admiration for each other there's some really tangible physical things they do which just expresses really early on how you know how they have a rapport yeah it's really nice and like, yeah what i love about it is that it's it's a normal length comic but not a lot happens but I'm drawn in more than I am with some comics where they stuff in action and they stuff in narrative and mm. exposition. Yeah. This one, it's a very clear thing. Like, it expresses who he is, where the robots are coming from, um, sort of a, uh, sort of an antagonist in this character of Park that, you know, says some pretty nasty things to our protagonist, you. Um, and then it sort of leaves you wanting for the next one without too much of a cliffhanger and it's i i'm really enjoying it i can't wait for the next one to come out because just everything about it is perfect i think yeah so no yeah it's um i i mean total love letter to 70s or like uh, like 80s mecha anime Oh yeah, definitely. so that's 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 the thing that grabbed me about it it's just like this is everything i love about mecha anime and mecha manga so yeah yeah, all the mechs are like colorful and blocky and kind of like they feel like they'd be made out of diecast metal. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. And he's even got an action really figure. Like... He even carries an action figure around yes. him, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. He does. Well, like a homemade action figure, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I I do love this story. Yeah. I... And I didn't mention that the writer is uh, Greg Pak, who also did World War Hulk. Yes, I think. yeah. So uh, yeah, I think that's a quality combo there. Next thing I had that I just wanted to address was the fact that Ghostbusters mm. 101 has come to an end. So we've oh, had okay. Ghostbusters 101 number six. So we've had a finale for that. And so, um, a bunch of endings for your favorite things. Then. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's bittersweet because, you know, I, I love, I love this. Fin- it's, you know, it's the, it's the perfect finale to a really great story. And I like the way it's been done. I like the way that, um, Dan Shuning and Burnham, write this stuff i like the way they work on it i think i think they've done they've done a real service actually to the ghostbusters franchise as far as the comics are concerned because i really like the way the way they write and i i love their you know the humor in their writing and i love the artwork it's fantastic um it's this is classic material and i'm gonna end up buying the trade i know i am because Mm. i want it to go with the rest of my ghostbusters trades they've done wonderful things with the franchise i keep saying and i am excited to see more from them I'm pretty sure that won't be the end. I'm, I'm hoping we're going to get more Shooning and Burnham Ghostbusters because I really like it. Um, and off the back of this, the Answer the Call team from the um, the latest Ghostbusters film are going to be getting their own movie. So just to kind of refresh your memory of what Ghostbusters 101 was, the Ghostbusters have started taking um, 
sort of people are uh, like cadets as a way to sort of bring income in they've started charging people for a kind of a ghostbusters experience this is like venkman's idea so they come into the they come into the ghost house uh, the, the ghostbusters house and they uh with the firehouse even and they they get a tour of the firehouse they get kind of like a, a, a once over of the equipment they get to have a go on the equipment and you know catch a ghost in controlled in, you know controlled circumstances and whatever so nothing can go wrong uh and um it's also a kind of sneaky way to sort of like get people primed and ready to help if they need extra people kind of thing you know mm. so he's got this uh one of them is janine's niece i think um so he's got these people uh coming in and like uh checking stuff out and then uh they're, they're kind of like a, a like um interns as well so he's got he's he's got these people doing the experience then he's got these interns as well so they've got interns that they're teaching to kind of who will kind of like take on the ghostbusters and, and probably end up being extra help for the ghostbusters one of that is what Janine's niece is she's one of the interns and uh, what they do is they go down into the containment unit area where they've got this interdimensional portal that has been playing a role in a lot of the recent Ghostbusters stories where what they've done is they've drawn the different parts of the Ghostbusters franchise together and said well it's a multiverse which I really like the idea of that's how they pulled everything together so the animated series uh, the real Ghostbusters, the animated series, the original movies, Extreme Ghostbusters, and Ghostbusters Answer the Call, which I think was the tagline for the latest film, was it? I'm not sure. I'll yeah. Take your word for it. We, they call them the Answer the Call team anyway. So right. it's all actually a multiverse, and this is all happening at the same time. So when they originally busted Goza in Ghostbusters 1, what they did was they created this kind of like shattered multiverse. Ah, okay. Um, and this interdimensional portal has given them a way to explore this or a way to communicate with ghost other ghostbusters from other versions of the of new york obviously there's there's also the crossover with the teenage mutant ninja turtles because they go to a version of new york that has the mutants that has the turtles in uh cool. one of the so okay. i've got that trade as well um but they um they end up crossing over basically the they've they fall these uh interns are falling around with this portal and um a ghost gets stuck between the answer the call universe and the original ghostbusters universe and the two universes end up drawn together and they collide and you've got the answer the call team working with the original ghostbusters team to sort of right this wrong and split the two universes apart again and put everything back to as it was and i thought it was really nicely handled and really cool i mean i've never seen the latest ghostbusters film but i like the way that um burnham and shooting have written the characters in this I like what they, I like the way that they've they've the, the characters appear in this, and I might I might actually watch it because I know when I saw the trailer for it, I originally thought oh, I don't like this. You know, it felt off. The humor felt off. I think I've mentioned this before, but it didn't feel like it was going to be what I knew as Ghostbusters. It didn't feel like a Ghostbusters film when I watched the trailer. The humor didn't feel right. It just didn't feel. But I like the, the character. Having read this, I'm thinking, okay, I'm now kind of curious about it because the characters in this appear really cool. So I I might go back and watch it now, but yeah, I mean they off the off the back of this as well. The answer the call team are getting their own comic, cool. And uh, that is like uh, so the answer the call team for those of you, it's like Holtzman and company basically. They're going to have their own comic, which is going to be by Kelly Thompson, who is uh, who's done the Gem and the Holograms comic for IDW, and oh, cool. uh, okay. Corin Howell. Um, and it's like a limited five issue series starring the new crew 
so Sweet. yeah and that's off the back of this basically so this is like how they've introduced them and then they're getting their own comic for a while um which i probably I might pick up and just see how it is basically see how that reads yeah i'm curious about that because i think yeah what you said like i think they do these characters a bit of a disservice in that 2016 film they do so, yeah i think i think that yeah, 2016 that film isn't yeah, I mean, I, I I can't say that they do them a disservice because I've not watched the film, but I know that <laughs> from watching the trailer, I wasn't that enamoured with the idea of that film because hmm. it just it just didn't feel right. It, the humour in the trailer, the jokes and everything, it just didn't feel like a Ghostbusters film to me. Yeah, I mean, so, without getting too deep into it, yeah. it was fine. It was yeah. entertaining. I, did, I didn't dislike it. Yeah, so maybe I should yeah. go back and watch it then. But yeah, the, the Ghostbusters 101 finale, which was really cool and I really enjoyed that. So I liked that. That was cool. I guess should address the elephant in the room. The two things that we've been following that we usually get quite excited about, which is Shirtless Bear Fighter <laughs> and Winnebago Go Graveyard, and both of them are on number yeah. three now. Is it my number three? Yes. Yeah, Shirtless Bear Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this book is ridiculous. I love it. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Shirtless Bear Fighter number three. So they appear to have found his one weakness. They have. <laughs> <laughs> They've put him in a shirt. Oh no. I just love how He's instantly. I love how it saps his power so much that they can tie him up using toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to go to like. I think when we start hitting, say, number three or number four of these these new things that we're picking up, it kind of becomes a little redundant to explain what's happening in each one. But needless to say, I think like the the humor and the quality of this is still as good as it was in issue yeah. number one yeah i think maybe when it gets to the end of a volume we can come back and like address the whole thing yeah. in retrospect um but yeah man there's some really clever funny bits in this i like the like the world building it's doing yeah and there's this all the, you know it's kind of like doing a marvel style universe of of bears and other creepy creatures and like warfare which doesn't actually make sense with history you've got this like black magic infused bacon you've got yeah <laughs> you've got solid gold toilets you've got <laughs> yeah you've got the most disturbing bond villain gloats to his captions uh, like <laughs> to his capture speech ever it's 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 amazing i thought that was fantastic i actually had like the sort of classic villain score in my head when that was happening yeah as well. <laughs> yeah it's like a whole blowfeld thing going on yeah my evil plan will <laughs> come to fruition type thing <laughs> something else comes to fruition in that scene as well but yeah no it's great <laughs> i just my favorite thing about this again i'm trying trying hard not to spoil stuff but shirtless's hilarious escape method is my favorite thing in this entire comic <laughs> it's just it's, just, it's weird <laughs> yeah. no I, I i do honestly think it's brilliant i love it and then winnebago graveyard yeah yeah so same oh. thing without getting too much in especially now because Winnebago Graveyard is a four-part yeah. story, yeah. and this is the third of four. Um, like things happen. I think one thing that's been great about this comic so far is something always happens. It's yes, dragging its heels. It's no, very... it's the pacing yeah. is perfect, pretty much. Mm. And this thing I want to say about it, it walks and it fucking takes faces. <laughs> and this book has some of my favorite things committed to panel. I think, and I think you know which ones I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, and and the, the yeah, so the fight for survival has truly begun. The blood mm-hmm. has started to flow. It's gore time. This is like the part of the horror movie yeah. that you're just like yes. And there are parts of this book where like the panel layout. I don't know about you, but it reminds me of like stacked crime scene Polaroids. Uh-huh. It's got kind of like that. To put it, yeah, because yeah, the way they kind of like the panels kind of like sort of fold or overlap. Mm. 
uh, they feel like they're they're shapes beneath shapes. So when I was looking at, it, I was like, they're like stack of Polaroids, like crime scene Polaroids, which I thought yeah, was pretty cool. I like, yeah, I like that concept. Yeah, I didn't think of it. That yeah, way. and and I think that really adds to the mood as well. And yeah, definitely. The art as always is stunning, and in the, some panels, there's like a really good use of wide angle perspective that sort of like pushes mm. the feeling of unease and it pulses dread, and it gives you that feeling in the pit of your stomach, which is like the reason I guess that you watch these films and the reason you would read a book like this is to feel that feel that noise i guess that's what you get from horror films and that's what you want right and then immediately after how it you know this third of four parts concludes i think it might be an alternate cover or just some fan art or you know some other other art related to the plot but there's like a really cutesy version of our lead heroine being surrounded by blood and bones and gore and it's adorable (laughs) it's just it's just adorable i love it (laughs) yeah it's it's really cool just overall the whole thing is is a pretty like well put together package. Yeah, I mean the the, the fir- I mean the whole thing so far has been pretty well put together. And yeah, when the trade drops. But yeah, I mean I it, think it's yeah. a must have. Yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a great great story. I'm loving it so far. And like I said, I the way this thing is laid out and the, the pacing on it is is absolutely perfect. You can tell that it has been written by somebody who is deep deep horror fan. Like, because they know exactly what they're doing and they know what notes to hit and when to hit them. And it's just like, it's a symphony. It really is. But yeah. So were there any other ongoings that you wanted to mention? Because I've got like maybe four Um, that I'd like to very briefly touch on. Yeah, I mean, like, from this week, we've got All-Star Batman, which it's at number 13. And the current arc, this is going to be like the finale for All-Star Batman, by the way, as well. Hmm. So after this... All Star Batman finishes, which I'm. Um, why? But yeah, um, this is gonna be, and, and I think it, it, Snyder said it's gonna be his last Batman comic for a while. I don't know if that, if he means that, but I'm pretty sad about that because I like Snyder's writing Batman; he's great. But this arc deals with Alfred. It's pretty Alfred centric. It's called the the First Ally. It's it sort of deals with Alfred's past and his time as. Um, his time in in the you know that the the intelligence UK intelligence agencies and things like that and mm. yeah how where he got all his training and everything else and somebody from Alfred's past comes back to haunt them and that's what this this seems to be about um so I'm really loving this at the moment I'm loving how um I'm loving how how I like you know I like it because it's it's Alfred centric and you don't you don't usually hear a lot about Alfred. I mean you hear whispers about it like okay oh my time in the UK military has allowed me to uh, as, as you know like as you know as a medic has given me the ability to patch him up to give patch up Batman every night when he comes home ripped to shreds. But now we're actually getting to see some of that and we're getting to see where this comes from. We're getting to see uh, Alfred as his. Um, you know when when he was part of the intelligence agencies and things like that, which I don't want to spoil too much, but it's really cool. Okay. And there's a there's a second story in it as well, which is Batman versus the Russian Mafia, which is also kind of cool. Yeah, how can that not be good? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Okay, so for the ones I was gonna just yeah. very briefly touch on, yeah, uh, Crosswind number three, still enjoying that. Yeah, I think that's getting better and better as it goes along. Yeah. Um, Secret Weapons number three, which I didn't I didn't like as much as the first two, but I think mm. it's just an unfortunate lull as it builds to the next big plot point so i'm going to keep going on with that the artwork's still gorgeous i think it's it's definitely not bad it just didn't grip me as much as the last few did 
um, Saga number 46, which is just fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, and Sex Criminals number 20, which is also kind of heartbreaking, but for very different reasons. So, uh, I mean, if like, you're fans of those, they're still great, all four of them. Uh, stuff that's coming out when this episode is published. So, this will be out on Wednesday, the 6th of September. And the things you can buy on Wednesday, the 6th of September, we've got um, Batman number 30, uh, which is going to be a continuation of the um, the current arc, which is the War of Jokes and Riddles, which I've, you know, if you listen to last episode, Ari last episode, Greg rescinds his previous comments about this arc and, and professes his dying love for it. Uh, <laughs> got Elsewhere 2. Um, which I picked up the first one. I can't remember if I've talked about it or not on here. Have I? I'm not sure. Might have been something. Might have been something I've not talked about yet. But when this one comes out, I'll buy this, read it, and I'll probably talk about one and two. Okay. If I've not already talked about it, but um, it's it's uh, yeah, it's great. It's kind of like um, pilot finds herself in alternate dimension is uh, without spoiling it. Okay. And uh, we've also got some stuff that you shoved on there which is we've got Lark's Killer number two mm-hmm. Spiritus number two Runaways 2017 number one Venomverse number one so like the Marvel Venomverse thing is, which I'm not endorsing as something that I really want to read I'm just saying it's something that you guys might want yeah uh, John, yeah, something that's coming out on the 6th John Wick comic starts John Wick number one which is something I am very interested in. Yes. That looks amazing. Scales and Scoundrels number one, which uh, is kind of like an all-ages fantasy story, which looks really cool. Um, Dastardly and Muttley number one, which I'm intrigued by because I don't know... I, I, obviously, I don't know much about what's what's going to happen with this, but it looks kind of like... The, I like how hyper-real... You know the um, the cover of the book when you see the cover preview? Yeah. I've literally only seen the cover. That's yeah, that's all I've seen, just yeah. the cover. <laughs> yeah. Wake up, Muttley, you're dreaming again. <laughs> I hope it starts with that. I really do. I hope it starts... If I open, if I buy it tomorrow and it starts with, Wake up, Muttley, you're dreaming again. You're not Robin Hood and you're not Gunga Den. <laughs> you're just plain old Muttley, the sniggering hound. No, uh, Lazaretto, number one, which I don't know much of... What is that? If you just enlighten again, me. just based on the strength of the cover, it's a boom comic. Um... Written by Clay Chapman, yeah. uh, by Jay Levang. Um, something about a pandemic striking in a in a dorm complex in an American college. Yes. Looks interesting. Yeah. And we've also got Captain Phasma number one. Mm. Which uh I be I'm I mean I'm not I'm not a reader of Star Wars comics, but I'm thinking I'm gonna pick this up because I wanna know more about Phasma. Rogue One uh, not Rogue One, sorry. Uh Oh my gosh! Force Awakens. Force Awakens that's it. <laughs> the other she one. She got that... short thrift in Force yeah, Awakens. She I did. I want to know more about yeah, the character. That's it. That's that's what we want. We want to know more about Captain Phasma. So, yeah. hopefully, this is the place to do it. But yeah, uh, and then on the thirteenth of September, which is the following Wednesday, um, we've got some a lot of our regulars coming out. So we've got Mister Miracle number two. We've got Dark Knight's Metal number two. Curse Words number eight. Redlands number two. Destroyer number five. And Winnebago Graveyard number four, which is the conclusion. Yeah, can't wait. Okay, so um, on to the questions. So first question, they didn't give us a name, but he or she has given us this pretty good question, actually, I think. Um, And it's something that 
I guess we should probably address. So, hey, Ace Comicals, I've been enjoying the podcast and it's got me thinking in our current climate of hot takes and where everything is either awesome or sucks. And with time being as fleeting as it is, how do you guys go about choosing which new comics to invest your time in? And how do you find out about them and what elements, art, cover, names, publisher, genre, etc. pique your interest the most? So that comes from Anonymous. Hmm. That's a good question. Mm. Um, right, okay. So my my methods have changed a lot since we started this podcast. So I've been making more of a habit of going to the comic book shop every week and actually buying stuff physical, which gives me an idea of what actually exists on the shelves better than I used to know. Before, I would just buy stuff digitally off Comixology yeah. and um, just basically follow the things that I was interested in already. Yeah. Now I kind of see something and see, oh, there's like an issue number five of something I never heard of. And yeah. I can, if not buy a trade that exists already, at least keep an eye out for when a trade will exist. Mm. Or maybe go back and purchase the issue separately, uh, either on paper if I really like the covers or just digitally in bulk when I see them on sale on yeah. Comixology or something. I see. Um, so there's that. Um, also, I spend more time looking at the weekly releases than i ever used to so i used to use just generally just googling for this week's comic releases and see whichever page came out first but i recently signed up to a website called league of comic geeks as a way of tracking not just what's coming out each week but also what i would like to put on my pull list and the reason i like this more than anything else i've used is that you can actually see the covers as you're picking them out and the website's a little bit janky and the app is definitely pretty janky but it's pretty good for just you know perusing yeah. through the covers of what you might like and then picking out the specific variant that you would want so you can have a list in front of you when you go to the shop and you know match the picture to the cover and make sure you get the right thing see i i and, yeah carry on no, go ahead. No, i was gonna say i'm i'm quite um a little bit old school so i i go i look at the week's releases i go to diamond publishing which is like the supplier of comics for a lot of places it's like the biggest supplier isn't it so i go to the diamond publishing website and i look at that week's releases and i sort of like compile a list from there and when i go into the comic shop i know what i'm looking for so i just sort of pick them off the shelf from that either that or i've seen something um because I've, I've obviously been surfing the net and I've seen something that's going to be released like a preview or whatever and then i've gone in and spoken to my uh spoken to the dudes in the comic store and um asked them to put it on my pull list for me so they can save it for me so when i come in it's in my folder and i can get it so i have like a kind of i mean if you go to most comic stores will allow you to have like a a folder where they will save certain comics for you when they'll have a pull list i think i'm gonna have to start doing that more yeah um because i i've had a few instances lately where i've not been able to find the one thing that i wanted and if i just asked them they would have set one aside for me yeah so uh, I'll need to start doing that. And also, like, every comic book shop that I go to, and I normally go to Gosh now because it's the easiest one for me to get to at lunch from work, but there's also Orbital Comics near Leicester Square in London um, and The Big Forbidden Planet, which is, you know, around the corner. Um, all of them are great. Like, everybody in there is really helpful. And um, especially in Orbital and Gosh, where you can tell everyone who works there is really into what they do and they really love their comics they're always very helpful in picking out recommendations and you know explaining what things are so i think i might need to spend if i wish i had more time when i went to the shops to actually talk about comics more often mm. so i might have to start going at the weekends yeah you know, getting to know these guys because yeah they they do seem to know their stuff see i've 
I, I go to Forbidden Planet Leicester. It's the only comic shop in Leicester at the moment. And there's a really great team there, to be honest. And they're really good. They're always very helpful. They'll always, you know, do their best to source something for you if they haven't got it and things like that. So they're really cool. And they've got my pull list on file. So I can go in there and, I, and they, you know, if I ask them to save something, they'll save it for me, which I know which is pretty cool. I do like it. Yeah, I mean- <clears throat> I, to, go, to go back to like physically going into the shop the yeah. best thing I mean I'm a sucker for picking up picking up issues based on just the cover yeah I do I've that I've picked up so many random things where yeah um, I've not even read some of them yet I just love the artwork in it yeah um, sometimes I've fallen for it in a bad way where I love the cover art and it turns out it's a variant or yeah. it doesn't actually match what's inside and yeah. then, you know doesn't really pique my interest but sometimes I've been really surprised by it I think I mentioned Crosswind was mm. one where I picked it up because the cover looked cool. I didn't even know who Gail Simone, Gail Simone was at the time, but yeah. I've come to understand her work a lot since then. Kind I, of disappointed by the artwork when I initially looked at it and yeah. then came to love it. So, yeah, I guess just uh, be open to things. I guess, like, yeah, mm. as simple as it is, as simple as it's going to sound, the way I choose comics when I buy comics is I look at first... First thing that grabs you, obviously, is the colour, because it's very, very, cover, sorry, very visual. So I'm a very visual person. So the first thing I do is see a cover and go, that looks pretty awesome. And then I'll kind of like glean the subject matter from that. So I'll go, okay, so what is this? Like, what genre is this? And the next thing I'll do is like pick, like look at the genre and I go, okay, yeah, so that kind of fits the kind of thing I'm into. It's horror. I'll, I like horror. I'll pick up the horror book. Third thing is like, um, I guess if I see a writer that I know or an artist that I like, or if, it, if the cover's by an artist that I like, I'll pick the book up and then I'll read it. And when I get home and read it, I mean, obviously, I'll read I'll read the first issue. If if I'm not into it after the first issue, if I'm thinking, ah, I don't really like this, I won't pick up the second one. Um, and that's how I decide what to invest in and what not to. I guess, again, I'm pretty old school in the fact that I don't, I don't really tend to read a lot of reviews and a lot of hype surrounding stuff. I mean, sometimes if, if, if I want to know about something, I'll seek out a review. If there's something coming and I know it's coming and I want to know about it before I get it and, and I want to know what to expect, I'll seek out a review. Usually if it's something big and blockbustery. Um, but if it's like small, you know, I don't often seek out reviews and, or previews I sometimes just come across them and think, hey, that looks really cool. And then I'll buy it off the strength of what I've seen. But most of the time, it's literally seeing it and thinking, okay, premise of that sounds all right. Um, I think I might go and I might pick that up and then picking it up and then uh, reading it. And if I don't like it, I don't like it. I don't buy issue two. So that's how I decide what to invest my time in. I give everything a chance. (laughs) I think for me, like there's a a sub question there about what choosing what to invest your time in i think i touched on this earlier where just depending on my mood i think i'm in a phase right now where i don't want the heavy dense stuff and i want the slightly more popcorn slightly more yeah instant gratification heartwarming fulfilling kind of comics and i think i'm okay i've i've let myself be okay with setting aside certain things like um gone generation well, I know I'd be interested. I just don't have yeah. it in me right now to get to it. See, set it aside yeah. and wait till I'm in the mood for the it. The minute I read the first issue of Generation Gone, I was thinking that is something that you would be into. <laughs> and I'm sure I will. I, I'm sure I'd love it. I just haven't haven't found the space yeah. for, for that particular thing yeah. to be read you know, like that. You know, for um, some, somehow, I always manage to find time to read comics. I don't know, I don't know if it's just like a habit thing now. Mm-hmm. or but it, it's just you know if ever i've got like 10 minutes so I, I look at a clock and i'm like okay so i've got 15 minutes before i have to leave the house 
I can fit a comic in in 15 minutes. <laughs> so I'll just go home to read a comic cover to cover in 15 minutes before I have to that's leave. That's a great attitude. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, the, other, the other thing I did want to mention is I've been a lot more active on Twitter and the internet in general since yeah. we started this. Yeah. I've been following a lot more writers and we've been following a lot more artists. And from that, you get to see a lot of their retweets about things that they like or yeah. things that they appreciate. So, and I've discovered loads through that. Like just the other day, I was, if you've been following my Twitter, I was complaining that I spotted some artwork that I just caught my eye and I really loved. So I went to go grab a piece of paper to write it down with. I don't know why I didn't just copy and paste the link or whatever. But by the time I came back, my Twitter had refreshed and I'd lost it. Uh, and I spent a good 10, 15 minutes trawling for it. it yeah. It was ridiculous because like it had moved place in, you know, the thing where it was, or maybe I hadn't. The page had loaded from a previous session and then refreshed while I'd gone or something happened. It was so frustrating. I, I eventually found it again and I'm going to pick up some manga by this artist that was retweeted by another comic book web uh, uh, web comic artist that I also like. And it's just this whole cascading thing. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Also, the the, um, um, the magic, the infuriatingness, and the curse of social media—the th- the three yeah, things you've just um, touched on there. <laughs> like this transient thing, where it's just like it's yeah. a never-ending thing. But you it's kind of just have to dip in. It's great if for you... getting things just thrown at your face. Like it, you will catch things <laughs> on social media because you'll just open Twitter and all of a sudden, bam! There's something there that you might want to read, and it's just yeah. sort of thrown at you. And social media is a great way to find out about this stuff. Like it's kind of like it's like word of mouth, but it's uh, I guess it is just like the new way of word of mouth i guess it's like the it's new like flesh word for mouth, word of mouth yeah but if there was like a million mouths all shouting amazing yeah. things at you at the yeah same time, yeah it's, it's awful and brilliant at the same time yeah it's crazy but i guess so that that's kind of how i decide really i, I it's kind of a combination of all of those things art cover names publisher genre you know mm. i i i one or two of those things appeals to me then i'll probably buy the book and then if i read it and like it i'll buy the next one yeah, I think I subscribe to that model. And that doesn't yeah. work for everyone. Like, I've got a yeah. colleague who um, is very picky about the things that she likes. So she comes with me every week and I pick, I point to her and say, here's something I think you might enjoy. Um, and then she'll check it out. She'll have a look. And if it's not for her, she won't pick it up. Yeah, and I think that's fair enough. She knows what she likes and she'll stick to it. And hopefully maybe one day she'll and that's you know, that's not necessarily horizons a... will expand it's not yeah. no, i don't think it's bad at all i think i actually quite admire that it is yeah she doesn't have this need to just check out every brand new exactly. shiny thing which i do yeah not necessarily um, a bad a bad way to be because as anonymous um, says you know in, in time is fleeting so fleeting. Yeah, yeah it's time time is precious to everyone especially when you hold down a full-time job and things like that or you know maybe you've got a family to look after or whatever else so you're always going to you know you have to divide your time up and the time you get to yourself is precious. So you don't want to spend that on something that you think sucks or you, you, you know, yeah. Yeah. You've got to find time for the things you love. Exactly. Well. Yeah. That's really important. So you've got to, you've got to be careful with your time. You've got to be careful with your spe- where you spend that. And I think the way your friend does that the way she mm. picks comics is a good way to do it, I think. But yeah. obviously, um, our, our, like I said, our model doesn't work for everything, giving everything a chance and then keeping what you like kind of thing. Yeah, also, I think we just like collecting stuff. Yeah. Like having stuff. Yeah. And I think, I, I kind of, living in a tiny London flat, I miss having lots of stuff around me. But comic books are, like, flat and thin. Mm. And I can keep a lot of them See, I'm, in I'm, one box. I'm it's... quite I'm quite lucky that I've got a very understanding girlfriend. And we've got a spare <laughs> converted, like, a, we've got, like, an attic conversion in the house that we're currently in. So. Your man cave. Yes, I've got cave. it all set up with my comics up here and, you know, <laughs> everything else that's kind of like my escapism my 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 thing you know my my video games my comic books my 
Um, I've got video games downstairs as well. I've got my PS4 on the big TV downstairs, but up here I've got my retro games. I can come up here and be 10 again and play Sonic the Hedgehog on the Mega Drive, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> you say that. Uh, that leads us on very nicely to our next question. Yes. Uh, we just received a text from Leon. Yes. Who is... Uh, a- I don't know. He's he must have found some space in between battling Jubilee and Cyclops in the in the danger. The room. signal in the danger room. <laughs> yeah, he, he must be like I can imagine him holding his phone. There's just explosions and eye blasts and and like fireworks going off in the background, and there's Leon just <laughs> walking like, around looking at the bars on his phone, just like looking for signal. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he senses this question. He's like, "What are you guys? What are your? <laughs> Let me say that again. What are your guys' current reading setups?" Does it include snacks or beverages? Maybe some ambient music to set the tone? Does it differ depending on medium? I'm a fan of sitting back in my chair, my desk chair with my feet up, beverage within arm's reach, and headphones on, uh, and headphones on, playing appropriate mood films. Bloody hell, come on, Leon. I'm a fan of sitting back in my desk chair with my feet up, beverage in arm's reach, and headphones on, playing appropriate mood film scores. P.S. What are your dream reading setups no limits okay so my current reading setup um so i guess i have like this um a coffee table in the middle of the attic and when i get my new comics i take them out of the carrier bag just drop them in the middle of the coffee table <laughs> um so i've got a bean bag and i either sit on the bean bag or on the floor cross-legged uh sometimes i'll sit in my office my office chair thing at my computer but i'm not too into the chair like i like i don't know why i just like sitting on the floor like when I play, when I go downstairs, when I'm downstairs playing video games, like the whole sofa's free. So like my, my girlfriend will walk into the room and she'll just see me sat on the floor with the PS4 pad in my hand. I've got this, I just do this thing. I just sit on the floor. So I, I kind of sit on the floor back against the wall or I'll kind of sit on the beanbag and I'll read that way or I'll lie down on the beanbag and hold the comic above my head. <laughs> um, and I mean, it, it depends on what kind of, what time of day it is and things like that because I mean like, in the evenings or at night, I might have a beer. Um, so there'll be like a beverage there. Um, I'm not really one for snacks because I don't like touching like snacks and, and food and then touching my comics. Oh, God, yeah. So 100%. like bags of crisps and things like that are a no. You know, you don't do that. <laughs> Why would you do that? Can I interject <laughs> what I started doing? I found this on, I think it must have been a YouTube video or something. Yeah. But if you want, if you really need snacks, and I don't do this at all often. Yeah. But when I really want a snack while I'm reading my comics, I'll get a bowl of crisps and use chopsticks oh. pick them up <laughs> which works amazingly well like no. it's a really I, yeah. I think it's a genius idea yeah. it depends on how good you are using chopsticks yeah. but it works for me so. I'm, not, I'm not a massive snack person when I'm reading if I'm reading I'm there to read I, I might have a drink with me but that's it mm. um, so depending on time of day it can be like a you know sometimes it's a beer sometimes it's a can of coke sometimes it's a glass of water depends on what kind you know what kind of weather it is I mean like I don't usually have any background noise. I guess mm. if if it's raining outside, I can hear that. But I'm not one for putting noise on in the background. I mean, sometimes I... I mean, the other night, I was sitting there. I was actually reading downstairs. I was sitting on the sofa with my Batman book and a cup of coffee. On a, This was Sunday evening. And uh, I put YouTube on, smart TV, and I had, um, like, storm noises on in the background so i was sitting listening like white noise yeah white noise stuff yeah if i'm gonna do it i can't have like I, I i've put metal on before and i've put music on before but i kind of i kind of find it a little bit distracting sometimes to have a like a, a song with lyrics on in the background yeah 
I mean, I, find that. I tend to I tend to favour either white noise or slower stuff, so like acoustic music, um, things that like um, Alice in Chains, like the Sap EP or Jar of Flies, that kind of stuff, depressing y bluesy guitar, like um, acoustic guitar kind of grunge or, or kind of that kind of flavour, you know, mm. like uh, Nirvana Unplugged type stuff. That stuff's good for reading or I don't have any music at all or I listen to white noise. Mainly though, no music at all, sat on the floor on a beanbag. Hmm. Uh, my dream reading setup. I don't know. <laughs> I think think I just, I'd like maybe... Um, you know, I've seen pictures of it where people have like a, a kind of like a corner with a window, oh, like a, a huge window. window. Yeah. Yeah. Those are gorgeous. Something like that where I've got all my comics in reach. Hmm. So where I can just like, maybe even like part of that nook would be a bookshelf and I'd have like a, a shelf in front of me of trades and I could just like lean up and reach for another trade or I'd have like mm. a, a small side table next to me with my comics stacked up. And someone else to bag and board them for me when I'm done reading them. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, cool. Somebody Take else to own. sit there and like when I'm done reading it, I just pass it to that person. That person bags it and boards it and puts it in the box for me. <laughs> because because I, it's, it's the doing that afterwards sometimes. Especially when there's so many. Like if you let them like, build up, if you let them build up and you've got like a, a, like a, a stack of like 20, 15, 20 of them to do and you're just like... Oh, like Alfred's less qualified younger brother. <laughs> it's just, all he does for you is bag and board your comics. Yeah. Very unfulfilling life. <laughs> <laughs> he was in NMI5, but he worked at Forbidden Planet for a while. <laughs> <laughs> just a really bad black mark on his CV. Just like, oh, you've got, you've got great credentials and everybody speaks very highly of you, but you worked at Forbidden Planet, so we just can't accept you, unfortunately. Whoa, what's wrong with Forbidden Planet? <clears throat> just for the sake of the joke yeah Greg. okay <laughs> <laughs> nothing wrong with forbidden planet <laughs> no yeah um so i mean what your current setup so you eat crisps with chopsticks <laughs> if i want to i'll use chopsticks because yeah. it stops your comics from getting greasy right so the thing you need to know about me right is i'm never comfortable like, right, right. And apparently I've, I've i don't realize when i'm doing this but even when i think i'm comfortable i'm really tense like, everyone points that out to me. Say, so why are you sitting with your shoulders hunched? Why are you so, like, you know, why, why is everything tense? And I feel like I'm relaxing. Evidently, I'm not. So this is a hard one for me to answer. Like, um, right, okay. So a lot of my comic reading gets done on the tube. Mm. So on my commute to and from work, if I'm reading comics on my iPad, yeah, I'll, I'll do it on the tube because that's where I feel I get most of my reading in general done. I don't feel like I can read novels when i'm at home because i feel like i could be doing any of the things that i can only do at home see i i view comics as a thing i can only do at home because i don't really get time to read anywhere else and i don't have the kind of commute where i can sit and read well yeah Yeah. i'm in the quote-unquote fortunate position to have an hour commute every day there an hour there and an hour back yeah and if I'm lucky enough to get a seat, I'll I'll read a novel or I'll, you know, play on my phone or I'll play a Vita game or a Switch yeah. game or something. Yeah. Or I'll read a comic book. Um, reading physical comics is a, is like a definite no-no on the tube. I'll never buy my paper comics and read it on the tube because I, I need to have like something to place them on. 
I like to have a flat surface. Right. So my other option for reading comic books, um, if I'm reading them non-digitally, would be either on the sofa with like a flat lid to my comic book box, so I can lay out the my the, the you know the current book that I'm reading, mm. or like um, I've got a laptop stand and I put my comic books on there, so I don't have to flatten it, but at least I don't have to touch the paper. It sounds really pedantic. A music stand would be good for that. <laughs> music stand, maybe, or a music stand that was all. You know, it, it wasn't sharp metal and it wasn't, you know, made out of plate metal or anything. Yeah. Maybe that would work. That sounds like a cool idea. Plastic, um, yeah, plastic way, music I, stand. No, go on. Go on. A, plastic, a plastic music stand would be good. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I've got a laptop stand yeah. that does, serves the same function. Um, so either that or I'll be sat on my sofa with the arm to my right. Yeah. Um, so I can have the comic book on my lap and then my notepad on the arm of the chair so I can yeah. make my notes and stuff. Um and then the other alternative is either at my desk or on an armchair so I can make notes in my notebook. Yeah. And, I mean, if anything, this question's made me realize that I should probably try and identify what works for me better. Like, actually sit down and think about what what I actually find comfortable because I guess I don't really think about it. I don't, I've, I've never really considered it. It's more of a pragmatic thing. I don't, I've got this, this... I don't consider comfort as like a primary factor. <laughs> I've, got this image of, I've got this image of you now walking around your flat with a tape measure and then like trawling Ikea for solutions and things <laughs> and just like... I mean, but, I mean, maybe I should. I don't know. Um, but then, okay, so going on to my, my dream setup. Yeah. I don't know if you've, if you've ever seen those sleeping bags, but the sleeping bags have individual arms and legs. Yeah. So it's basically like a body suit, but like yeah. fluffy and warm. Yeah. I've always wanted one of those. I'd love to have that, but sat at a really large desk. Because right now I have a very small corner desk. And I I like, <laughs> I have a very sad um, grown-up fantasy of this big desk for my computer. And with lots of space in front of me to be able to lay out like a couple of comic books and my notepad at the same time. Yeah. And I'd have like a coffee machine to my right and like lighting controls to my left because my eyes get itchy. Yeah. If, you know, the lighting conditions aren't perfect. Like automated... Um, yeah. Uh, curtains and stuff like that. That would be perfect. I just sat in a little sleeping bag and just reading on a comfortable, clean, clear surface sounds amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, I. That or, or as you said, a reading nook, because yeah. I kind of like that claustrophobic feel. I like being curled up with a good book. I like, I like, I like if, having I, could... like a dedicated, you know, like a, a dedicated space that you, you click into, like sitting in, <laughs> sit, like, like you just sort of tessellate into it. And it, it's like it's against your back, it's against your legs. You sort right. you fit yeah. there, and you are forced into comfort. Yeah, yeah, that's a great being forced into comfort. Is yeah, exactly what I need because apparently I can't do it on my own. Yeah, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That be that sounds ideal. If I can be tense and comfortable at the same time, perfect. Because I change. What I need is like a triangle yeah. pillow to go like in the nook of my knee, so like I've got the yeah. whole like the correct posture, complete support. A... Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. See, we've gone really... You know, like when you get, um, like, styrofoam packaging? Yeah. You pull, a, a, like, a new TV out of a box and it's got this perfectly moulded polystyrene. Yeah. That's what I... I just want to slip sideways into that and be able to read a book. See, I don't know what Leon was, was hoping kind of answer we'd give, but we've gone really, <laughs> really grounded and really grown up with this. <laughs> Slipping sideways into styrofoam is grounded and, and grown <laughs> <laughs> while i like struggle to move my arm to use my chopsticks to no. pick up some what's it see i'm like um like leaning out of the styrofoam it's like making that horrible <laughs> noise as you sort of lean your face out of it to get the to get the what's it and there's like when you go back into the styrofoam there's a bit cut out where your eyes are so you can see the comic in front of you <laughs> with like nirvana's man who sold the world playing in the background because you like that <laughs> Man who 
who's so old, though. <laughs> no. <That's laughs> On like, that note. That sounds like hell. Yeah. <laughs> you, you put it there. <laughs> no, but like, yeah. Um, so so I don't know what Leon was hoping for, but we're, we've, we've come up with reading, reading a hell, being forced to eat snacks <laughs> with chopsticks, imperfectly right, fitted to styrofoam, listening to Nevada's to manage salt the world on repeat. <laughs> just that one line over and over and over again. No, just that bit of guitar. And it never let's goes any further than that. That's where it ends. Okay, let's, yeah. Let's end this here. Let's just end it here, yeah, because that's it. That's enough. Uh, it's the fact he put no limits on the end of that question and we didn't even we gave ourselves limits we gave ourselves the limit of reality and why did we do that but anyway um, so yeah uh, that sort of wraps us up for today uh, you can find us on Twitter at Ace Comicals you can find us on Facebook under Ace Comicals you can find us at www.acecomicals.com you can find us on WordPress which is acecomicals.wordpress.com you can find us on iTunes or Pocket Casts or whatever I uh, whatever podcast pod, podcast app you use uh, to listen, uh, we're, we're pretty. You just search Ace Comicals. I guess you'd be able to find us. You can find us. Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Bato B A T T O U. You can ask us a question. You can ask me a question on Twitter, or you can ask. Uh, you can field a question to Ace Comicals through my Twitter. You can do it on uh, a, a DM, or you can send questions directly to acecomicals.gmail.com um, Rahul, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter so that's at Munke at M-O-O-N-K-E-H and like you said, uh, the hub for everything to find us is acecomicals.com yeah. you can access our iTunes uh, Pocket Cast, WordPress, everything has a link on that page That is that like, website. yeah so that if you go to acecomicals.com just the hub, you'll be able to find you'll be able to find everything from there so yeah, uh that was Ace Comicals number 17. Thanks for listening, Ace Comicals over and out.